Hello, everybody. Episode 344, November 8th, Election Day. Yes. Yeah, suck it. Suck it. Worldwide audience. <laughs> no, really? Feels yeah. like maybe America's sucking it. Yeah, but uh, we'll affect your economies, too. Yeah, we're going to ruin the whole world today, yeah. one way or another, gang. Yeah. So buckle up. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Chicago, so I'm very. I just You've already ho- voted. Six I, vo- times. I voted early and often. A bunch of dead guys <laughs> voted for me. I've got some ghost payroll coming in. Everything's going good. Wow. Um, uh, I I did the mail-in voting. I, I I was like, you know, I don't know what the polling poll places are going to look like on uh, election day in California. I'm going to just leave it alone. I get. I I've been started voting early by mail. F- for a while since I started mm-hmm. going on the road heavy right. and I, I didn't want to miss an election day. But I, so I got the ballot in the mail, realized I was going to be here and was like, eh, I'm going to just drop it off. Right. And this is a little, I don't know, because I've never done it this way. I've either go on to the polls or I put it in the mail, line out the door by the polling place by me, a block long. You just walk up, drop it in the box. Done. Yeah. Because my ballot's already filled out. Yeah. And I like too in California, which is great, there's like 20 propositions that are designed to trick you. <laughs> so that's the always other great thing about voting in California is, uh, okay, well, this is saying one thing, but it may, uh, may mean the Here's opposite. The key, the yeah. key is who's, e- who's paying to either support it or take it Yeah. Down? Yeah. That's if you follow the money, it always gives a it's little more It's always like, clarity. oh, the cigarette tax. So RJ Reynolds is against the cigarette yeah, tax. Isn't that so weird? What? Yeah. Morris together? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's weird. Um, so, uh, let us introduce our guest. We should. Because uh, I got to watch Game 7 of the World Series with this man, which is Pretty the exciting. greatest moment of my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, not first-time guest, has no. been on the show before. Multiple times. Multiple times. You've done some Return li- guest. Return guest. I've done some live episodes. Show favorite. Show favorite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We all right, say let's it. say it. Let's we can say, say it. it. We can show favorite. Show yeah. favorites. <laughs> Yes, show favorite. Love looking. Uh, love uh, looking at his Tesla when he pulls up. Yeah, it's a pretty cool car. It's a nice car. Um, <laughs> it's the only reason you guys invite me. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I drive a '98 Rav Four, so yeah, I want to take a look at that thing. Um, this car could eat your car. <laughs> he could. He could. He could. He could eat it and turn my car into fuel. <laughs> Clean burning <Yeah>. fuel. <laughs> Especially like when I leave, though, <laughs> I get into the car, put the goggles on, and say, "Where we're going, Marty? <laughs> get on these roads." <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Mr. Kevin Follick. Please be seated. <laughs> Thank you so much. How great was it watching? Now, Sam Levine and I came to your house to watch Game Seven. Yeah, I, I like to tell my friends uh, who know that I'm not a uh, a natural native son fan of Chicago Cubs. Although rooted for them heavily, in fact, bet against my own team when they faced them in the playoffs <laughs> for the first time in my life, um, that I had two lifelong Cub fans in my home to watch the game. You know, because afterwards it was such a uh, a bizarrely, perfectly, weirdly scripted game, mm-hmm. no matter what side you were on. And I he- heard Bill Burr actually predict a a week in advance he said both of these teams if it goes to a seventh game both of these teams are going to make their fans think they're going to win and then let them down at different times during the game that's what's going to happen with these two ridiculous teams uh and in fact that's exactly what happened yeah yeah, it was yeah so to have to have that and then i i if you follow the trail on social media through uh, my Instagram or Twitter, I did my better half, Jamie, was so on it with the cell phone 
I don't know how she knew this was going to be the last out. Right. But she had her cell phone out and and, and poised to videotape the three idiot men. <laughs> Grown and men. And you can see in the background that Rizzo at first had just caught the ball. Right. When she start, starts taping, he's raising his glove up in the air. And then you see him put the ball in his back pocket which is genius which is genius and then throw his glove up in the air so that's on the back in the background playing on the television behind the three grown men <laughs> screaming and losing their mind <laughs> sam levine falling to his knees and crying yeah wow yeah and me lifting him saying it's okay you can cry you can cry <laughs> uh, i sat on your couch and started crying you're like let it out graham let it out get yeah. it out this, this, yeah. is, this is a safe place yeah. <laughs> So where can we see this on YouTube? Is this <laughs> go to Kevin? Where Kevin? Where yeah. can people uh, at at Kevin Pollock on Twitter yeah. or uh, Kevin Pollock one two three on uh, on your Instagram? It's so great because the other thing too. So your room, you've got this nice big flat screen TV. But I said it, you've got hardwood floors and low ceilings, so it is so loud. Every right. time the Cubs would score, there'd be just a. Ah! It was like it was it, it was, reverberated. It reverberated, which was great. My ears were ringing. Yeah. It was such a cool... And there were only three of you. There's only three of us. <laughs> Technically, it's a curved TV. It's not important. Listen, <laughs> <Yeah>. we... Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's been a week of historic events, for sure. And it it's really like, as we're, we're recording this on Election Day, it's... I've never... You know, obviously, you, you know... Um, People are all different ages in this country and have different memories and different perspectives perspectives of this election. However, everyone can kind of agree this is kind of the worst one they've yeah, ever seen, yeah. uh, no matter how old or young you are. It's, um, it's never so, been more polarizing. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. Sure. Usually you dismiss the other candidate. Right. You don't want to mm -hmm. set them on fire. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and you every, just dismiss them. It's interesting to see, like, uh, everyone is saying the same thing about both candidates. Well, they picked the only one that blank could beat. Right. And then it literally you could fill in right. the blank on either mm -hmm. one of those. It, uh, uh, but what, what fascinates me, too, is how our economies are so interlinked. We were joking about it earlier. But really, you know, this is going to affect worldwide economy. Uh -huh. Who actually wins today? More so than Greece. More so. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it's I was I was watching the, you know, the polling this early this morning. And um, this guy said this is the first time where usually when your candidate is in the news it's a good thing for your numbers. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then he was talking about each time there was a news story about one, either one of these candidates, it hurt their numbers because yeah. the story was never positive. It was never favorable. It was always like, whatever. That's also the first time we've seen what you just said in the opposite, which is the news about Trump did not hurt his numbers. <laughs> they fueled them. He would say and do the most outrageous things. Right which would have killed anyone else's campaign. Is the HBO movie on this election done yet, or is it almost done? <laughs> yes. is it, there's, who's <laughs> yeah. cast? Is yeah, they're that, in editing. Yes. They're in post. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah. let's, uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about a giant movie opened uh, a couple of days ago. Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. How, how did it do? It uh, did, it's doing very it's well. It's doing great. Mm -hmm. I, um, you, I'll, I'll go first, I guess. Sure. Because you saw it. What? I did. I saw it. I was able to see a casting or a crew screening, well, crew screening with uh, Todd, one of the CG um, supervisors invited me, which was really, really cool. Todd, uh, who did the- The uh, animation for earbuds. The mm -hmm. animation for earbuds. So mm -hmm. I, I saw Doctor Strange at the Chinese theater. In 3D? In 3D. Nice. Which is like, you know- But that's crystal clear it's 3D. The, it's, we go like- 
three times a year to the Chinese theater because it's expensive, but only right. for something like this. Do you do know that it's no longer called the Chinese theater, though, right? As far as I know, it's called Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, mama call him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Um, <laughs> shout out to coming to America. Um, so... I uh, I will always call it the Chinese Theater. <laughs> um, whatever corporate name now. It's, it's now got. called the Chinese Theater. <laughs> That's the mistake you're making. Oh, Gromans. So I was I was at the Gromans Chinese, and um, it was a. Uh, uh, this movie was great. I mean, like it, it's it's. I, I didn't re- read a lot of Doctor Strange. I didn't mm-hmm. know much about it. It was one of those characters as a kid, I sort of, as I've talked about on the show, like, ah, the fantasy magic stuff I'm not that into. Right. But this was great. Marvel just keeps making great movies. And the effects on this, I would highly recommend seeing it in really good 3D. You know, our problems with 3D on the show have always been when they slap it onto a 2D movie. Right. And then they charge you more money and it's right. complete bullshit. This was, I mean, the... The sort of Inception style collapsing was cool, and it's sort of the next generation of that. But then when he goes into the like, whatever the spirit realm or whatever mm-hmm. it is, when he goes into these <laughs> these parallel universes, right? That was the layering was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. You and I really felt immersed in that, which helped tell the story. Like when 3D is done this way, and it right. helps tell the story. It's not just like, hey, look how how much money we spent. Right. It's it's really cool, and it's Doctor Strange. So it's this very sort of science and spirituality molded together and, uh, you know, and I, I loved it. And then, you know, you've got great actors like Tilda Swinton is awesome and mm-hmm. her sort of like showing. It was it was really cool because when he first starts training with her, you know, she shows like chakras and, um, you know, biology and, you know, and he's and he's a scientist, he's a doctor. He's like, well, this chakra stuff is all hocus pocus. She's like, what if they're all correct? What if it's all of this? And and she starts explaining sort of spiritual a spiritual connection in your higher mind in a very scientific term that makes him get it. I was like, this is all fantastic. And he was and you know, Benny Cumbo, great actor. I like mm-hmm. watching Benny even doing an American accent a little bit. He's working hard. I was like, there there were definitely moments where, oh well, that's like an American Sherlock. He's being right, right, right now. There's definitely were those little moments, but uh, uh, I agree. I thought it was really it was a fun film. Uh, it wasn't my favorite Marvel film, but, and I actually I did read some Doctor Strange for sure. And if you go back to the original comics, some of them are so crazy and so trippy and so like just completely out there. So I, I really love to see that that was captured in the movie. Like there's there's comics in Doctor Strange where like he has conversations with God and witnesses like the creation of the universe like crazy right, out right. there stuff and then he fights Dracula and all the vampires you know there there's it goes all these different directions and it's always always a fun interesting uh, read for Doctor Strange uh, I, I think it was interesting some of the the trivia is like Joaquin Phoenix was considered for the role when uh, Benny Cumbo was busy playing Hamlet on the stage mm-hmm. so it was an um, uh, Doctor Strange was originally based on Vincent Price. You could kind of see that in the facial features, especially right. the way it was it was drawn. It's like a um, house of wax, Vincent. Yeah, Price. yeah, definitely. 
here's what I really liked about it. I liked that it didn't, um, it, it, it was like the, the whole Marvel Universe thing is sometimes a double-edged sword where you can do interesting things because you have so many different interesting characters, but you also, sometimes you're a slave to like, all right, got to get origin story out of the way, got to introduce the villain, got to tie it into the Marvel Universe, got to set up the next movie and all the mm-hmm. next things. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes the movies get bogged down in that a little bit. Uh, so then you, you can't concentrate on the fun of the movie you're actually watching. But it's a minor point. I don't think it went too far in that direction, but it was a little noticeable. But it was still a fun movie. I really felt like uh, um, there was really some great moments. I loved uh, Doctor Strange, and this is not a spoiler, his Cloak of Levitation mm-hmm. was a character on its own. And it felt like, you know what it felt like to me? And Todd agreed after I pointed this out at the end of the film. It was a Studio Ghibli character. Right. It was like something you would see in an animated Japanese movie. Just It had so much personality, and it was just really fun. And it was almost like comic relief, but instead of a um, Seth Rogen, it was a cape. So. Well, it's, it, it, you know, it's, so, so Scott Derrickson was the director, and he was such a fan of this that he put right. his own money in to shoot a proof-of-concept thing mm-hmm. to get the job. And I, that but, comes across. Yeah, and he was a, he's a horror director, too, so you see like a little couple of those little horror elements, but it has a good sense of humor, the movie does. Um, I, I really like this addition to the Marvel Universe because... Um, I mean, there's thousands of characters in the Marvel Universe and, you know, how they're picking and choosing, like, which ones to introduce next. But this was, like, a really good unveiling of, like, a different side of Marvel. Like, you know, you see Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, well, that's space. Mm -hmm. You know, now we have action. Now we're going to introduce magic. And now we're going to see kind of how they intertwine. Well, this is the great thing I love about Marvel is they – and we've talked about this before with, like, Jackie Cation – we will. Oh, by the way, we will be doing a spoiler, a spoiler app with Jackie. Jackie. I mean, you we guys get back are, from Napa Valley, then we'll yeah, we'll do it. We'll take care of it. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. All of you were like, "Come on, where's yeah. the Jackie spoiler?" Mm-hmm. Um, but like, this is the thing that they do is they hired the the correct because these Marvel movies, as you're saying, like they're different. Each one's a different genre, right? And so they get a, a, a genre specific director to handle it. And which is why, you know, this is completely different than than Civil War that we saw yes. earlier in the summer or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it's but it's still in the Marvel Universe. I mean, I've been watching Luke Cage on Netflix, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. And it is so true to that character. And yet it's in the Marvel Universe. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can't recommend this movie enough. And I, I will say, too, about the 3D, the effects are so good. And I'll tell you, we get um, we get overwhelmed with you know, effects driven movies. Cause it's a summer. It's like every single one after another. Okay. It's effects. We get buildings blowing up things and we get it, you know, alternate universe. But, um, with this one, it did the effects in a much more interesting and different way. Like, you know, obviously there was some inception <laughs> influence, uh, but also the way the 3d was used in the effects, the way the physics and the way everything kind of bended, it was something we hadn't really seen before. So it made it more interesting. It also made me want to see it in 3d. So if you can see it in 3d, I really recommend it. And if you can see it in that laser crisp 3d that you get at the, uh, you know, the, uh, Gromans. The TC- TCL. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Gromans, uh, <laughs> Chinese. <laughs> um, definitely it is, it is worth seeing. So, um, my, yeah, my only little gripe was that, uh, there was kind of too much, oh, we got to hit these points because I think when a movie, you have a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy, 
that um, that whole movie was pure fun. You didn't worry about setting anything up with uh, setting up the character, setting up the villain, setting up the place in the Marvel universe. Everything just flowed so naturally and organically. Mm-hmm. Like I'd like to see kind of more of that. Like as the, these movies progress, like don't worry about hitting these these beats that you mm-hmm. seem like you have to hit right. in every movie that's just let it let it flow naturally and especially with dr strange there's so many different ways it can go i i really think like uh it, it's almost like the shackles are off where this character and this world can go literally anywhere you want yeah. so okay all right good first start let's keep it interesting people <laughs> <laughs> all right so are you gonna see dr strange kevin i'm sorry what yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, you don't want to hear from me on this topic. Yeah. I'm, I'm not in the um, Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. No, I don't dwell in that house. Do you, uh, like, are you against all superhero movies or specifically Marvel or are you just, they don't do anything for you? Uh, yeah, I, I think you, I think it really helps to have been tied into the comic books. Right. Mm-hmm. And to know a lot of, uh, about the various characters uh, and and somehow give a shit, right? <laughs> uh, it all started with John Favreau's uh, first Iron Man movie, where they introduced humanity and heart and humor. That's what made, in my opinion, that movie exceptional, mm-hmm. and and launched an entire universe of what we'll have every summer and and fall and winter and spring eventually <laughs> um and then you add disney's ability to just squeeze it for every last fucking dollar <laughs> um yeah th- that disney taking owning marvel and star wars how is that not a government problem <laughs> uh, the way that at&t yeah. tries to get together with you know, th- Time th- Warner. this is beyond cornering the market. Right. Um, so, yeah. And and also, me and the better half are, are Disney land fans. Um, she at Disney World this very moment. Uh, and they're, they're, you know, turning Tower of Terror, one of the greatest themed attractions, into a Guardians of Galaxy ride. Which is the beginning of the end. Because <laughs> they're getting rid of Twilight Zone. Uh, Rod Serling. Yeah, yeah. Because there was, it, it cost them. They had to send money to CBS, right. who owns Twilight Zone. Uh, but also, I love Guardians of the Galaxy because they brought back humor and right. humanity. And then right. all the other ones, all I see are the special effects. All I mm-hmm. see, in fact, I think it was the first, uh, I don't even know the name of them. Um, adventurers. What is it? Uh, what's the early uh, Marvel movie? Fantastic Four. No, starts with an A. Avengers. There we go. No, not <laughs> Avengers. Uh, what's the uh, with all all of the all of them together? Um, Iron Man and the guy with the bow and arrow, which still is a joke to me. How the fuck is he a superhero? That's the Avengers. That's the Avengers. Okay, that is the Avengers. <laughs> yes. All right, because I was thinking the TV show, The Avengers. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so so that first one with the Chinese New Year dragon was the was the villain in the sky, yeah. right? Oh, that's uh, okay. yeah, that's the first Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Soon as the Chinese New Year dragon became the villain, I was like, all right, I'm good. Y'all go fuck yourselves. <laughs> that's the villain of a film. 
I, there's no emotional connection. There's no reason to care about any of these people. Where is the heart, the humanity, and the humor? So whenever they infuse that for nine seconds into those movies that, that have now become uh, taking over everything, they're, they're, they're good. And when they don't, which is, in my opinion, 80 to 90% of the time, they're just, it's just, uh, you're in the matrix. Gentlemen, <laughs> you are feeding the beast. You have taken the wrong pill, and you are in the pod in the matrix, you're, you're feeding gonna, the beast by buying your ticket. You're going to get one every few months. Now. It's right, a hundred percent. That being said, any film experience that makes you guys feel what you're feeling, I'm for. Right. I'm actually for that a hundred percent. We're just wrong to feel it. Well, you're, you've chosen incorrectly, <laughs> but. but but be passionate about yeah. cinema, please. Please, dear, dear, whatever. Be passionate about cinema, for sure. And, and, and also, I guess there's a part of me that does envy the ability to drink that Kool-Aid and take mm -hmm. that pill and sit in the mm -hmm. pod and, and, and get lost because that's all any cinema that's what you want. Should, right. should give at its best. Mm -hmm. And if you're getting that, then you win mm -hmm. and I lose. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm not getting it. <laughs> uh, how about that? Did that work for you? That yeah, nice. that was nice. That was a nice save. I like how it started with you. Don't want my opinion on yeah, this. Yeah, you really don't. And then he launches into a diatribe <laughs> about how we're idiots, but mm -hmm. technically he's dead inside. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's how we come full circle. Yeah. Yeah, I'm foolish and going to go watch Butch Catching a Sundance Kid for the 17th time because I, I, too, want to feel something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of which, what have you seen that you felt something about recently? Huh. You know, we're going through an experience uh, of, of being disappointed one after another, and we feel like we're leaving the theater um, saying, yeah, it was fine. Right. As opposed to anything being great. Uh, we keep, yeah, it was good. It was good, not great. That seems to be the review of every movie I give now. Right. So in terms of the last one I thought was great, I'm going to need a minute, honestly. It's been <laughs> okay. It's been, it's been a stream of long. mediocrity. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Are you guys watching more stuff like online at home than, than the going to the theater? Oh, no, we, we love going to the movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. we just, I mean, you, you might refresh my memory as to something that we... We liked more than than didn't, uh, but they're all they're all seemingly, um, you know, like the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, it's good, right? You know, nah, it wasn't great. I wouldn't even go that far, right? But yeah. So, but I mean, that's the sort of thing because there's elements of it. Like I love a western, and I love gunplay, and I love the sound of those guns that they make. And I well, then um, you should have just stayed home and imagined it. Yep, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> like, right. Boo, a Medea Halloween. I'm sure you walked out of that and said, "Yeah, this is exactly what I needed right yep. now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that playing on a continuous loop in my house <laughs> on seven different screens. Um, well, you, the girl yeah. on the train. Yeah, there again, the girl on the train was good, not great. Well, it this was is a, It was painfully complicated. I mean, this is the season too. This is like you know, summer's over. The it, awards movies haven't come out yet. It's like you know, Doctor Strange is kind of like laying down the gauntlet. I'm right in the middle of this. But also time. too, like we got it. Hell or High Water. I just remembered was my favorite movie. Right the, now, of the that year was a, so far. That was an excellent film. Yeah, that was a movie that was. It, it's. And it's something we've talked about on this show. I think part of what you're feeling is the fact that there's 
low budget and then there's like 20 30 million dollar movies and then there's this chasm between 30 and 100 million plus so there isn't a really well made 40 50 million 60 million dollar yeah no and rare to, to bring it back to today's uh un, unfortunate topic of get out and vote the middle class is being squoze for sure mm-hmm. it's mostly independent and 100 million plus right there, there's you're, you you have to look really hard now to find the 20 to 30 million dollar mm-hmm. Netflix is making them. They're they're uh, you know they're being the benefactor to people like Christopher Guest, Woody Allen, Ricky Gervais, um, and even in a sense Adam Sandler. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's more of an enabler. Yes, yes, but <laughs> but his movies. But the, by the way, he, it, he, it's the biggest one in in worldwide Netflix history ever. His last. His, the one he's in. They're just finding- Not the, not not the, the Rob Schneider one. Not the shitty the, Western. The lowdown one or whatever that came- right. the, 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 No, the one that he- Hateful Six or whatever. Yeah, not that. Because mm-hmm. he was, I don't think he was in that. It was the one before that. I think it was after. Oh. But yeah. at any rate, it shows Adam Sandler with, with holding up somebody like a friend of his. Yeah. And he's got a gun maybe, I think. Yeah. At any rate- and it did well. It did huge and worldwide. Mm-hmm. And so so while someone like that, who's who had been sort of dying on the vine in the, the do-over. Movie, there we go. Uh, other than the the reunion thing it was doing with his friends movie. Right, grown ups. There you go. Um so 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 Netflix is now this home to I think that's a great point. I think you're because Netflix is sort of picking up the slack with this because they made another Pee Wee Herman movie. Hey, there which you was go. good. I liked it. Right. But that's what they're doing. So mm-hmm. they're going like Pee Wee Herman, they they realize Sandler movies are basically to watch when you're stoned. And this generation of stoner is not going to the movies to do it. Like when we were in our twenties. Difficult we, to get that vape tent into the theater. It is. <laughs> <laughs> But so they're going to stay we'll home. see how the election goes. Mm. <laughs> they're, that group that, you know, the whatever, the under 30 or the group, they're going to stay home and stream stuff. And so it fits perfectly to, to, to Sandler's fan base. Also just tapping into, I want to watch what I want to watch when I want to watch yeah. it. That's the next generation. And it has been for a while now. And of course, anyone with kids that are 13 to mm-hmm. even 20. They'll never know what it means to have a time slot. No, for a television show, they won't know what it means. I mean, they'll they'll go to movies. I'm sure as some sort of lark mm-hmm. to the theater as this bizarro experience that I think maybe these Marvel movies are tapping into because then it becomes an experience, right? Whereas a movie like Hell or High Water has a great small theater uh, mm-hmm. release to real theater going cinephiles. And I think if you're, if you're, this is if, where on demand is so critical. Exactly, because if you're not a theater goer, you're going to hear about Hell or High Water and go, oh, I can't wait to watch it on demand in my living room. That's right. You know, and I think what what Netflix is doing, um, again, like Luke Cage is just, I, I love it. It's fantastic programming. It's it's they're they're taking. I, I used to read Power Man and Iron Fist, mm-hmm. so they made it contemporary yet. Keeping some some of the camera shots. Wow. Some of the dialogue is sort of seventies because Power Man was definitely a seventies. It was like mm. you know he had. I can't believe they got him in a tiara in one scene. They actually did it. That was the coolest. They, they got thing. him in his uh, his old outfit. They got him in his old outfit, which was, I was like, he was walking through this backyard. I'm like, put on the yellow shirt. Put on the yeah. yellow shirt. <laughs> um, and and 
and but they're making it contemporary. It's still in the Marvel universe. They talk about oh, there's that guy up in Hell's Kitchen that that fighting people. They talk about oh, it's made from an Infinity Stone from the event. Like they refer mm-hmm. to the mm. the Marvel, but it's still like street street crime in Harlem and him doing something about it. And it's so interesting. So to to get into another example of Netflix is another movie that I saw 13th, which is a documentary by uh, Ava DuVernay who did believe she directed Selma. Yes. So this is another great example. And after this, we'll talk about your documentary. Mm -hmm. Netflix is giving documentaries a fantastic home narrative. Huh? Yeah, My film's a narrative. Your film's a narrative. Yeah, I yeah. did a documentary before that. Right. I which think, actually found the same sort of home at Amazon yeah. Prime. Right. Yeah. I, I think um, uh, I'm watching more documentaries and I'm hearing about more people watching more documentaries and stuff like that on Netflix because you just scroll through and if you watch one, then their algorithm says, well, you're going to like these. That's exactly right. And it's fascinating. And it's it, it's uh, it also may, I realize the other day, may explain why, why a show like 60 Minutes has been on for 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that something about that living documentary that's happening in behind you in your backyard uh, that is, there, is fascinating. And there's a demand for it. And a lot of times they've been difficult to find or difficult to watch. How and, could you, you watch know, these before this? It, yeah, Netflix you, is you, making it easier. You yeah. had to, to, to watch these in the past, you had to be that person that, actively sought out the art house theater or a film festival or a film festival Mm -hmm. and then go to your local video store and you know that was the only way to find these movies now you can sit and watch them in your living room and half the times it never made it to the video store there's if you didn't see it in Mm -hmm. the film festival or an art house that's it it's gone Mm -hmm. and this is why netflix doesn't advertise they got three monkeys right right now yeah just (laughs) yeah (laughs) won't shut up i know um so I watched Thirteenth. So this is the documentary um, about the prison system in the United States. And man, is yeah. it relevant going into this election? Because <laughs> it talks about so the Thirteenth Amendment that abolished slavery. There's a there's a um, they go into the history of this. It says you can't you can't enslave somebody, but you can put them in prison for a crime. That's the little line in the Thirteenth Amendment. Mm-hmm. And so what happened um, after the Civil War? The South lost all of its labor and went, oh, we need labor. Chain gangs. Chain gangs. So uh, black men were getting arrested for loitering, like the most ridiculous of crimes, and then they created chain gangs and there was your labor. And they talked about how that's carried through. They talked about how Nixon passed the first sort of tough on crime bill. And in 1970, there was about two, our prison population in America was about 200,000 people. It goes up to like four or 5,000 people by 1980, and they keep doing that. And then they talk about Bill Clinton passing the another awful crime bill in 1994, and which he's later apologized for, and they even show him apologizing. Um, but they talk all about that stuff and how today the prison population as of, a, as of 2015 or 16 is about 3 million people. Yikes. In 40-some years. Hmm. And it is really compelling. It's talking about, um, you know, when crack came on the scene, crack, which is just cocaine, carried stiffer sentencing than cocaine, even though they're the same thing because crack was inner city. Um, and uh, it's a fantastic documentary to watch. I mean, she's, Sounds like it. You're selling the shit out of it. She, she's an excellent filmmaker, and she does that thing 
we, we all know this as, as people have made documentaries, the toughest thing about a documentary is how do you make them visually compelling? You know, and it's, right. especially something like this, which is primarily talking head. Mm-hmm. Now you've got, she has the benefit of being able to use archival footage and that makes it interesting, but they, she does really interesting um, graphics and stuff between scenes uh, and music that make it really, she, it's a very um, interesting way to tell this could be a boring as shit documentary if mm. you just la- if you just inundate the viewer with stats and yeah it was very difficult to tell that that was possible by, right. the, by the way you laid it out right because it, it just seemed boring and you can tell it's a passion project too. it's totally passionate mm-hmm. and she gets very passionate interviews with people right um, and I, she even I'll give her or give her credit she gives the due diligence she gives like some conservatives their point of view saying, well, it's not that, you know. <laughs> she interviews people from the private pr- prison organizations that is making crazy money. Right. Talking about how when prisons became privatized and they needed to be full. Yeah, for the budget. To get the their budget, money yeah. from the federal mm-hmm. government, they needed to be full. Wow. And ALEC, A-L-E-C, the organization that helps write laws, I mean, it's like, oh my God. And there was a big scandal in Pennsylvania that happened. It was like a juvie home where they were just shipping kids in for no offenses just to make money and keep them in. You want to watch? The judges were in on it. Like there was a judge in on it that were sentencing and sending them there because he was getting getting kickbacks. There's not that much corruption. You're thinking about the movie Star Chamber. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, they didn't have a slide. Right. (laughs) But I mean,. Let's go to Orange is the New Black, another Netflix show, which is a very, it's a scathing view of of, of the political, of the um, prison system, but it's also funny. Mm-hmm. And and where else could a show like that exist if not Netflix? So um, I, I cannot, uh, I cannot recommend this, this film enough, 13th. Very cool. And uh, all right, well, let's, let's, let's talk about Kevin's film. Yeah. Or we could do trailers, which uh, well, we let's, talk so, about let's talk about now. his film Done. in, in, uh, that's on Netflix now. Now this is called the late bloomer and, um, it looks really funny cause I, I noticed it was based on a, uh, a book, but what I wanted to ask you before you told people about it is that, is this book, is the movie based on the book, a based on someone's real life? The book is written by someone who shared their real life. Wow. So it's actually biographical. Uh, as far as the book the goes. book is 100 yeah. percent. yeah the book's more dramatic Because i wanted to know before you say what it's about i wanted to know if this actually happened to well that's that's one of the things that drew, drew me in mm-hmm. um so you directed this film correct continue small jews for 400 <laughs> uh, so i directed this documentary that premiered at sundance last year talking heads featuring uh up to 60 annoyingly famous funny people with a thesis you have to be miserable to be funny called Misery Loves Comedy. Mm-hmm. Then, so that premiered at Sundance and then my acting agent had submitted me And to this play, Misery Loves Company is the movie that is now available on Amazon, is that? Misery Loves Comedy, uh, available on Amazon, yes, okay. for sure. Um, you know, it's Amy Schumer, it's Larry David, it's, mm-hmm. it's Tom Hanks, it's pe- not, not just stand-ups, but- And you ended up editing it yourself too, right? Yeah, I spent 10 months because I had 60 hours mm-hmm. of these talking heads. Yeah, we don't know what that's like at all. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A fun process. <laughs> it just, yeah, you guys went through it. So, so yeah, it's, and in my case, I don't know if it was yours, there was no script, there was no story right. mapped out ahead of time. It was to be found in editing. So that was a great learning 
experience for me without question. To create a story with some sort of invented narrative uh, based on talking heads. Mm-hmm. So uh, my acting agent submitted me to play the father in this movie called The Late Bloomer. And the producer said, well, we love Kevin. Uh, we need a director. We're hearing great things about his documentary. Would he read the script and come in and tell us what he thinks about how he would direct the film? So it's based on a true story about a guy who doesn't go through puberty until the age 30. Another ever, every other sense way, uh, he is a fully realized adult. In the film, he's a PhD, um, 30-year-old, who uh, we find out, as in the book, had a benign uh, tumor resting on his pituitary gland. Once removed, he goes through puberty. When it was resting on his pituitary gland, no testosterone had been released in his body. So he had not only no puberty and, and facial hair and, and other hairs, but no uh, sexual thoughts, urges, knew before puberty happens around age seven or eight, like all young boys can't speak to the female experience. You know you're attracted to one side or the other. But then once it came time for his saw, seeing his friends go through this thing called puberty, this werewolf transformation, nothing was happening for him. So he went into the closet about it and kept it a secret and made up stories about losing his virginity and stuff like that and thought he was an anomaly and something bizarro was wrong with him. But it was his, his private hell. Um, so he gets headaches and taken the hospital, they run tests, and that's when they find this benign tumor resting on his pituitary gland. Very easy process to remove, actually through his nose. Um, and then once it's removed, like a werewolf, he goes, as the 30-year-old man, though, he goes through puberty in a couple of weeks. So all the rage. So this guy, before that, didn't have any road rage, didn't have any real um, uh, vanity competitiveness, all the things that come with testosterone for a man. Uh, so it's quite the transformation. And when I met with him, I said, you know, based on the true story is the really important part. If, if I'm going to make it to the second act for the hijinks, for the comedic hijinks of a guy th- at 30 going through puberty, if I'm going to make it to the second act, in the first act, we need to give a shit about these people. And that wasn't in the script at all. Mm-hmm. So I pitched them how to turn his friends and everyone in his world from douchebags and whores into people we actually care about. And wouldn't that be more interesting? So it's a sex comedy with a heart. Mm -hmm. Uh, A sex comedy that makes you feel something other than down there. (laughs) How's that, fellas? Is that on the the poster? (laughs) What was your your pitch to direct it? Well, that was it. I mean, that was really it. I just said, give me a chance to make people care about this guy and the people in his life in the first act so that when the second act comes... You've already got that built in, these great things. Yes, there's a masturbation montage. You know, he's... he's, How how could you be without it? Yeah, he's going through this urge for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. I need a song, which is the perfect song (laughs) to accommodate this masturbation montage. And what was it? So how long did it take to shoot it and and all that stuff? Um, Well, so I learned as an actor all these years that the two... Really important elements for a director was a great script and great casting. Um, you know, you you can learn lens sizes and you can learn uh, stylistic camera moves. And as a writer, I've put them in my scripts. 
I find transitions to be helpful. Um, but from Barry Levinson, um, it, the first real movie I did, Avalon, um, you know, I found a guy in Barry Levinson who was a stand-up comedian. And if you look at his films, he puts a, a comedian in almost every yes. one of his movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's been a subject of your show yet. But he really didn't know anything about lenses and didn't care anything about these things. It was about get a great script and cast it well. And watch these amazing actors and actresses make you look good. Um, in some cases, rewriting your script. And just sort of let the DP do their job with the lenses. Yeah, and tell the DP what you want. Right. Know what you want. Don't worry about the number. Yeah, you don't need to know the difference, or or so it seems. And then if you do know and you do care about lens sizes and what they help you accomplish as a storyteller, then you're you're becoming more and more proficient, of course. Yes. Um, So for me, it was about then casting. So where my act acting agent was submitting me to play the father. I said, well, let's get J.K. Simmons. You know, this is a year and a half ago. He just won every award in the world. So why not? So I reached out to and put the arm on a number of alleged friends. Yes. And the cast is extraordinary. You know, it's J.K. Simmons, Maria Bello, Jane Lynch, Kumail Nanjiani, Beck Mm -hmm. Bennett from SNL, Brittany Snow from the Pitch Perfect movie, As a Girl Across the Hall, this amazing young actor, Johnny Simmons, who you've seen in Perks of a Wallflower and... uh, Jennifer's body and a bunch of great stuff is our lead character. Um, and Paul Wesley uh, plays a girl across the halls, evil boyfriend. Um, and then I'm getting, you know, smaller parts from like Ken Marino and Ileana Douglas and Brian Dole Murray. And um, he made a few films. Lorraine Newman. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so these people who are going to lift this thing off mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. off the page. And, um, and, and and it really was a great experience, and we only had four weeks to shoot it in. And so this was a director for hire job for you, completely. Oh, very based cool. on the hype and illusion from Misery Loves Comedy. <laughs> That's really cool. Congratulations! Well, it's, a, it's supposed to work that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it it starts to feel a bit like a fluke and winning the lottery when when any of these things actually happen right. instead of. They should happen for all the right reasons. There's too many wrong reasons that yeah. they don't happen. Like we had to go to Bulgaria to finish this film because <laughs> we attempted to shoot non-union in Los Angeles, which is why there's runaway production in Los Angeles. Mm, that sounds familiar. Vaguely familiar. <laughs> yeah. And I, by the way, I, I, you know, whenever there's even an actor strike or a writer strike, I didn't get into this to to venture into a labor dispute. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I, I'm a little, I have Russian communist blood in me, so I'm all about the workers. Uh, uh, but, um, you know, I, I, well, well, it was just such a ridiculous education every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And I was just focused on the, the script and the casting. And, they're, and they're, the producers are running this production. And, you know, it's at some point during a production meeting, they say, we're going to have to go non-union. I don't even know what that means. What are you talking about? Well, it'll be SAG and it'll be Writers Guild. But you're a first-time director, so you don't have to join the union. I don't? Gosh, I wanted to. Yeah, you're not going to. All right. <laughs> and, you know, uh, there are certain— Don't ask about residuals. <laughs> yeah. There are certain unions we can get around. Legally, by the way, not uh, illegally. You are allowed to make a non-union movie, and then you make 
offers to cut a deal with these unions because our budget was 1.8. You know, it was right. really, really small. Um, so without getting into too many more details, it was decided that we were going to shoot non-union. And then the union finds out about it. And they try to flip the crew, which is also legal. They ask for a vote, and the vote was very close. And, you know, I, I, before the vote happened, I was called into a room and, and told, if, this, if, if we get flipped by the union, we're going to Bulgaria. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where Bulgaria is. <laughs> what money do they use? Um, That's so, just great. Hey, FYI, if they, if they flip the crew, we're going to Bulgaria. Yeah, yeah, like, like, like it was a foregone conclusion. But, they use uh, Gdanskis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I, I, I became an international filmmaker on that day. <laughs> uh, and then we had our world premiere at the San Diego International Film Festival a couple of weeks ago where we won Best Comedy, and I instantly became an award-winning filmmaker. So I'm an award-winning filmmaker and an international filmmaker, and both of those things, plus $7, will get me a coffee at Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the film opened in select theaters. You know, we sold to to this company that does small distributions of, of smaller films, and then Netflix bought us. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how Netflix is... Uh, ever widening mm-hmm. its reach, um, and so they're they're our benefactor. Well, this is a great example. So, where else could a one point eight million dollar comedy with go? no movie for money for right. marketing? No, where there's no money to market, yeah. you can't. Where could this go? In the old so, days, that's a direct to video. That's well, just, yeah, that's and just, it's also hard to sell overseas because of the cultural that stuff. Like comedies, the other, the, comedies, yeah, they don't want to. The other countries don't want to pick it up. Like, oh, it won't translate. That's the other uh, thing you hear. In our case, as it turns out, anyways, Mm -hmm. research shows that puberty is pretty universal. Yeah. (laughs) And travel. Well, not easy. (laughs) It sounds like a liberal media lie. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit of a generalization, I realize. But um, Blame President Trump. Yep. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so so that's what happened. And it was an amazing experience. and, And thanks to Netflix. The movie went into profit, so allegedly I'll be able to do it again, and have been taking meetings about the the next. Is that kind of what you want to do? Direct. What you'd rather? I direct? didn't. I didn't want to at all. I, I mean, I I had opportunities over time as an actor, and as a writer, um, I started writing scripts. Nineteen eighty seven is when I joined the Writers Guild, so coming up on thirty years. Good lord. Um, and, you know, sold a few things here and there. And then 15 years ago, I wrote a script and my literary agent read it and said, so you're going to direct this, right? And I said, no. And he said, well, you already have on the page. And what I realized I had done in all the stage direction is to make it idiot director proof. Right. Like, this is my vision. Here's how I actually want these right. transitions to go. Because um, it was very stylized. And I, you're saw, it on the page I too. saw it so visually. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I started really thinking about it. And prior to that, you know, after Usual Suspects came out, we we all instantly had such street cred in the indie world Mm. that a few directing opportunities came up. And I thought, because I'm in a successful movie as an actor, what are you talking about? That's how Hollywood works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and then, how did Jan DeBont get to direct Twister? Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I, and I even remember asking my literary agent when he said that thing about the script I wrote, well, you're going to direct this, right? I said, who's going to let me direct? And he said, here's how fucked up our business is. The fact that you're a respected actor who's decided he's going to direct and it's announced you're going to direct this script, you'll have more heat, instant heat as a director 
as a first-time director than a guy who's directed eight films, but his last three tanked. Wow. He's ice cold. You're a first-time director. There are a lot of great stories about first-time directors and what they become. So you've got all this credibility as an actor that will just dovetail into this new part of your career. (laughs) So, you know, if you suck real bad on the first one, it'll be over as quickly as it started. But you, and I just said, well, that's ridiculous. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, far be it for me to not take advantage of a business that's kicked me in the balls for 40 years. (laughs) Uh, Like it it came with one of the mantras a long time ago. When people would I'd say it to this day, it drives my better half crazy because you, know, you can only hear one of our bits so many times. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how people just in passing say, how are you doing? How's it going? Right. They don't really care. Right. And at some point, a comedian makes up some, sure. f- some barb uh, that they throw back. How's it going? And I respond, kicking life square in the nuts. Thanks for asking. You know, you're on the receiving end of that kicking your whole life. So when you are doing the kicking, I think it's important to celebrate. <laughs> and that's something that I sort of brought into what we do, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. whether it's stand-up or podcasting or writing and, and now direct, All of it. directing. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. Kick life in the nuts. Well, so The Late Bloomer is now streaming on uh, Netflix. On Netflix, dropped mm-hmm. November 6th and uh, to no fanfare. They're they're unbelievably <laughs> loving and supportive and 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 zero uh, well, it'll fanfare. Get, it'll get featured at some point. Like when I turn on Netflix, won't it be? Well, it will and it won't. Yeah, it depends <laughs> on if anyone gives a shit. Well, you know what? You know man? because it's not it's not high end mm-hmm. uh, announcement. You know, and it, it's not starring it, two giant names and that right. Kind of stuff. But Kevin, a feature film in profit already. It's already impressive. No, that's by the mm-hmm. way that the narrative. Everything we do is about the next thing we do. Mm-hmm. So the narrative is I directed a movie that made money and came in on time and on budget. Right. That's the narrative. Mm-hmm. And and the cast, you know, that's the narrative. I was able to cast these people. These meetings I'm taking now about the next movie I direct, they're very interested in how I was able to cast those actors. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. But that's part uh, of it, though. A, that's just that's how we get the budget. Decision. But yeah. honestly, mm-hmm. that's part of the, the relationships that you've developed. I mean, over years of being an actor. Honestly, right. like so many people said, you know, for earbuds, they're like, well, how did you? I'm like, I've known. Yeah, we just we called for 20 them years. or sent an email. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're in our festival. It's not it wasn't that hard to do. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then there were some where we had never met but we were just relentless. Like I got Freakonomics cuz you know, we know who to contact mm-hmm. and where right. and how to present it. And uh, you know, there were people that we had never met we got in the movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure you found it to be a bit ridiculous in terms of the reach that you we, we actually have mm-hmm. before I, we started to do something. I about think it. we yeah. we forget like I mean, you've obviously had a a, a, a a much larger, bigger movie career. It's not a competition, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Cubs will win more World Series than the Giants. Um, yeah. But no, good it's, luck with that. <laughs> yeah, three and five years. It's not important. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I mean, I think we all, having been in this business a while, sometimes forget. Yeah, like what? Because we don't. We're not at the we, in our heads. We're like, well, we should. I should be. Yes. This. I should have this show or this Oscar or whatever. No, that only happens every time we wake up. (laughs) Every morning. Yeah, that's the thing also is finding uh, moments of peace and satisfaction Mm -hmm. where you're at also and not just being about the next, the next, the next, the next, the next. Because I think when you you realize, you know, 
God, how are you able to do that? And you, and you don't think, well, it wasn't that big of a deal, but no, 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 it was. This is a, this is a lifetime uh, of being in this business and establishing relationships and mm. and working with people and and. You called in favors. You called casting. in favors because yeah. if you, were, you know, because if you're a shithead, if you really didn't know what you're doing, they wouldn't. That's they, right. They might come over for cards, but they're not going to fucking do your movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do know what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> there are a number of shitheads who come over for cards. Yeah. That would not be in the movie. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and again, um, what what was the experience like? Yeah. Right? What, what was this extraordinary experience like? And 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 you know what 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 did you did you personally learn and also when you asked so this is what you want to do now this directing thing and i response i didn't want to i start to go back to mm-hmm. how i how i really didn't want to for such a long time and now the new story is it's all i want to do yeah and also what took me so fucking long yeah, wake up <laughs> because i'd interviewed so many directors on on my podcast that i was fascinated by their story and what I found was a, a, a real through line of control freak that you have to answer 150 questions every day and you have to have an opinion, the only one that matters, 150 times mm-hmm. a day. And you really have to love that. And, right. that, and I, we all have to be somewhat controlling just to get survive most days. Right. <laughs> um, and so we all have, I think, I've become a byproduct mm-hmm. of what we once thought was a negative connotation to control freak. Now it's like a survival mode. Well, yeah, I think when it's applied correctly, it's like anything. It's 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 not a bad thing. In Are that you crazy en- or eccentric? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not a bad thing in that environment. And I think too, like as as comedians and actors and stuff, you're so much at the mercy of stuff. Gun for hire. No control. Yes. No, none. Yeah. We're, we're, Which is kind of a, a nice way to have no responsibilities here whatsoever. Right. Uh, it doesn't fall on your shoulders. It doesn't fall on your shoulders. And also it was a great way to come and go, not have to keep the big picture in your head. And then I found as I was doing it, oh, I see why directors go insane <laughs> and become way too fucking controlling right. and myopic. Mm-hmm. And Emperor's Clothing happens to all of them eventually. Right. Because you are in control and you do have the final say. And while the train is soaring down the tracks because you got it together and it's happening, everyone is looking to you to keep this train moving. And that, you know, as a comedian, a gun for hire, because you never have those things, you know, in my case, stand-up comedian, we, we you take every gig you can. So sure. by the time I got to the 90s after A Few Good Men and I went from having to audition to getting offers, I, I was a girl who couldn't say no. Right. And I did 40 <laughs> movies in the 90s, six of them great. <laughs> but, but, you know, and I didn't say yes because, ooh, there's more money to be had. I said yes because they offered me a job. Right. And that's overwhelming. You want me, you want me, you really, really like me. You're so mm. used to having to hustle to get a, just yes. a fucking chance you at a job. I cannot believe right. people are calling. When you, so go, when, I, when you go to offer, oh, this is great. Yeah, yeah. so when, I, when, I, when an actor does a movie and, and the general consensus is, what, the, what was that, a money grab? Why the fuck would he do that? I actually have empathy for the process. Sure, sometimes they make it fiscally irresponsible. Right. They find the number. The, the most powerful word in show business is no, mm-hmm. because the people with the money think, well, he just wants more money, throw some more at him. And the most money I ever turned down, I'm still proud to say, was because I just couldn't play second banana to a particular 
movie star mm -hmm. who I had the opposite of respect for. <laughs> whatever that, whatever that, go, go through the chasm from respect to the other side of it. Is of this no the Charlie respect. Sheen movie where he's on the run with the blonde girl? Is that <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have gotten that. Uh, whatever it is, everyone's got that that yeah. thing, that mm -hmm. person, that whatever. So, so you know, I I found coming out the now, other end of it. Every listener right now is curious. I wonder what that movie was. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I mentioned it recently on someone else's podcast because I just don't fucking care anymore. Well, then what is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If that's the case, then yeah, I'm, well, well, let's press it. It's it or it, just tell it, us the movie. It's never good. I'm going to tell you, but it's yeah. never good to. Um, state your opinion as fact. You know, that was that I find is the one thing I find most aggravating about most people mm. is that we're all allowed our opinion now more so than ever before. Mm. And one of the things about the documentary I wanted to explore was the hey, look at me disease that we all have, that comedians always had, but now everyone has. Right. Because Facebook wouldn't be a multi-billion dollar company without people suffering from hey look at me disease who if you have a page you're someone um yeah. and and so and the internet mentality has really reinforced the stating opinion as fact so when i say that i was not a fan of sinbad i just meant his stand-up comedy never made me laugh it doesn't matter why i feel that way and i'm not going to go on and on about it it just didn't make me laugh so when they offered me this movie to play second ban banana to Sinbad, I had done A Few Good Men. I had done Casino and, right. and, and Usual Suspects. I had done movies that had sort of created some headway and some momentum into what I thought might be something else. And I ended up doing, of course, horrible comedies like Joanna Man. But Will Smith was the lead when I said yes to Joanna Man. You know, there's always some element of these experiences right. that I I do have a certain level of explanation, integrity, and reason why I did what I did. So when I said no to what Phil Hartman eventually played, House Guest, I think is the name of the movie. Um, when I said no, they just kept throwing more and more money because I had done those movies that made me credible. Right, right. So they thought it was a negotiation tactic. They thought it was a negotiation. And the number got, for me, for a character actor, it didn't get right. crazy for a movie star. Mm -hmm. But for a character actor, they made it fiscally irresponsible to say no. And I, I, when every time I said no, I just envisioned being on the set right, and being in a conversation with, as a stand-up, I didn't begrudge the fact that Sinbad, Sinbad got to star in a movie. Good for him. Great for him. I always love it when people uh, succeed beyond their talent. No, I don't. But, <laughs> but good for him in the sense that he 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 was able. Was it House Guest? I don't even remember that <laughs> was, movie. No, no, it's House Guest. <laughs> yeah, I did House Arrest oh, that's with Jamie Lee Curtis. Now that. No. Um, so so again, I didn't. I really, honestly, truly didn't begrudge him. I just I couldn't be on the set and do that get along face, the the sure. everything's fine face. Isn't this great? As I as I'm standing in craft service with him. And we're talking about the scene we have to do that day with any sort of sincerity. And I'm just thinking, I don't think this guy's funny. Mm. So as a comedian, it that's the thing. It cut me yeah. deep. So, you know, like I said, you may look at other films I was in and say, yeah, but did you think that guy was funny? And I'll have a story for you. I I, I, can, yeah. I can guarantee it. Like in the case of the Joanna Man explanation. Right. So there you go. House guest, guys. Right. Check it out. House guest. <laughs> 
Sinbad. God bless you. <laughs> All right. Now, when you were in Willow. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ron Howard, George yeah. Lucas, keep talking. <laughs> I couldn't remember the story where, was it Rick Overton helped you get that, or you helped get Rick Overton as the other pixie? He helped me 100%. And, mm-hmm. and I was, by the way, I was just tweeted two girls dressed up as, as the, 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 the brownies, the characters. Mm-hmm. Rule and Frangine, the two characters that Rick Overton and I played at Halloween a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, whatever it was, uh, tweeted picture at me with a full makeup and regalia and, and oh, yeah. wardrobe. Oh, that's great. It's pretty impressive. Are you going to be in the remake? I heard there's a remake brewing. They, they've been talking about it forever, and I can't imagine they would want anyone from the original cast in anything called a remake. Um, a sequel, maybe, but mm-hmm. a remake wouldn't make sense. Um, but uh, Rick Overton and I... Um, knew each other because we were in another uh, horrible movie. The first movie I ever did was like a an attempt by Dino De Laurentiis to to not remake, steal. It's a mad, 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 mad world. He had a bunch of comedians mm-hmm. trying to find this missing money. And so Rick and I became friendly while shooting that. And then, yeah, so he had worked, I think, on Gun, Gung Ho with Ron Howard. And Ron said, I want these two brownies to, to be able to improvise and goof off together. So Rick... You're going to be one of the brownies. Give me five guys that you can improvise with. I'll have you come in with each one of them, and then we'll just pick one. Mm-hmm. And that was the process. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So fuck those other four guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Suck it, you non-Willow sons of bitches. <laughs> Go start with Sinbad. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't. I, I again for the longest time, I never. There was some sort of weird freedom by being able to say it, and yet I instantly feel bad because I was raised properly. You just don't talk badly about Mm. someone, whether you like them or not, whether you wish them well or not. There's just no reason. We definitely keep it to a minimum on this show. Yeah, and you know, I put a book uh, out, which you guys were kind (laughs) enough to promote, and and I champion people in the book, and there are two people I spoke negatively about. Because it was hilarious. Those two stories were hilarious. That's why they were in the book. And we still have a couple left for in the CFN store. There you go. We have, we have uh, how I slept my way to the middle. Yes. An autographed copy waiting for you. Yeah, it is. It's on. It's on the shelf right now. Yeah, these shelves are impressive. Yes, it's all I've been looking at over your shoulders. It's, it's is the, Dana Gould in your network in your world? So we handle his uh, merchandise. Yeah. Okay, because mm-hmm. there's 7,500 Dana Gould yes. shirts. Actually, he's you. there behind the shirts. Okay, is, that's where he lives. <laughs> We said, Dana, we have a garage that we play office in. Dana's you the li- best. He's guest hosting my uh, podcast this Sunday. Nice. He's in a he's in the show department. I love his new show. We went to the oh. two, first two episode premiere at Hollywood Forever uh, oh, I Cemetery. Well, it hasn't premiered yet, right? Yeah, it did. Stan right. against Stan against. Oh the yeah, evil. Janet Barney's in that too. Yes, mm-hmm. I heard it's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. So, okay, well, let's uh, talk about some trailers that mm-hmm. we missed when they were coming out. The uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story trailer, too. Played it. Looks in, great. Yeah. Can't wait to see it. Played it in front of uh, Doctor mm-hmm. Strange. Yep. I'm, I'm so ready. And this is a, another great uh, release of trailers where it just gets you more excited, but I don't feel like it gave too much away. No, no. It's just, uh, it's which just, I still like. Yeah. Now, the next one is Logan. I wanted to talk about this one for a minute. This is the new Wolverine one. And uh, I'll tell you, I thought it looked really cool because it's doing what I loved about X-Men First Class, where it's making it partially a drama than about like superheroes. And I just love the fact that Patrick Stewart is still in these movies. And uh, well, so I was really excited so, like, about aren't, aren't, like, 
humans are dead or mutants are dead. Well, it's, it, it's like you know, some shit's gone down. Yeah, and uh, you know, Logan's older. <laughs> on every trailer, yeah, by yeah, the way. yeah. Some, some shit's, shit's gone, gone, down. gone down. Some shit's gone down. And then there's another mutant that you know Professor X needs help with. Bring him to Logan. Now, I will say this. Um, this is how the filmmakers, or not the filmmakers, the studio, once again, learned the wrong lesson from another film. Like, Logan has a, quote, Red Band trailer, because it's going to be R, which means they up the violence. And the Red Band trailer, the only difference is there's one shot where Wolverine's claws are going through a guy's head uh-huh. and skull. So then now it's Red Band. And this, again, from Deadpool, like, oh, see, we need to make R-rated comic book movies. I'm like, no, you don't. Right. You just need it to match what you know, what the actual character is. Deadpool needs to be an R-rated movie. Punisher needs to be an R-rated movie. Blade should be R-rated. But, you know, Wolverine, it's violent already. But when you show realistic graphic violence like that, it almost takes you out of the fantasy a little bit. So, again, it's not necessary. But when you have over-the-top violence like in Deadpool, it it matches and it perfectly fits. Like, you can't see it without it. But especially when you're trying to make a realistic, gritty movie... Well, then when you show graphic, realistic violence like that, it takes you out of the fantasy element of it and also takes you a little bit out of the... Yeah, we know Wolverine's a killer. We know he's mm-hmm. brutal. We know... But we, you know, we're not... Now we're getting off what this movie, what you're trying to do is because you're making it overly graphic for no reason. So, um, again, unnecessary. Hopefully they don't make it the entire movie about that. I don't know. I'm excited. Some sort yeah. of crazy post-apocalyptic mutant world. Yeah, I'm, yeah. So, I like that. Um, so let's just not show, I'm hoping it just doesn't go, well, we need to be R just for our sake because right. we need an R movie. Right. Uh, make it match the subject. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, love this yep. new trailer. Can't wait to see this movie. Um, um, Baby Groot, adorable. Yep. And uh, the new Wonder Woman trailer. Less excited about this one. I mean, I thought the first trailer was a really good tease of like what this character and story can be. It also had kind of shades of like, um, Captain America, you know, you've got, okay, well, it's World War One this time. Now it's not World War Two. Right. But as the trailer progressed, now it's just one kind of spectacle after another. Now are we getting away from the character or what makes this character interesting? Yeah. Now, yeah. It's, now it's just another dark, effects-laden, you know, fight. So you keep I, wanting I, DC yeah. to pull their head out of their ass. Yeah, like yeah. Keep want, I hope this is the movie where DC right. gets it right, and then yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. I, this maybe is a step in the right direction, but how large of a step? Not sure. All right. So um, on DVD and Blu-ray, Sausage Party and Kickboxer and Vengeance. Kickboxer Vengeance. Right, there yes. you go, guys. Yeah. Uh, I think we made it pretty clear you should be on Netflix this weekend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and, and like I said, I saw Kickboxer Vengeance, and like I said, everyone owes Jean Claude Van Damme an apology. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> even if you watched it, you owe him an apology. <laughs> uh, and um, now you had a couple things for the site spot, like in the fan feedback. Uh, so uh, there's some some cool stuff happening here. Um, uh, one of the fans of the show, his name is Morgan. His, his online handle is Morgan Field. Is actually his his last name is Cryfield. Um, he's a, a longtime listener of the show. He um, was an Iraq vet. Um, and there's two things I want to talk to you guys about that he made me aware of um, since Veterans Day is this uh, Friday, November 11th. Um, first of all, he wrote a book uh, about his experience called Sergeant of the Guard, The Road in Iraq. And uh, it's through the the War Writers campaign. The War Writers is a bunch of – it's they're publishing stories from vets. 
and the proceeds go to various vets organizations. Uh, Morgan's book specifically goes to the IAVA, the Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. Uh, his book is really cool. It's really compelling. It basically just goes through, um, you know, where he was at in his life, why he joined basic training, what basic training was like, all the way through deployment and going through um, Iraq and various you know, you meet the people he's deployed with. He goes on various missions and then even talks about, you know, the having PTSD. Um, and now he's a counselor um, for people. And so he's a licensed therapist and everything. So this book, The Road in Iraq, is really, it's really fantastic. I, I say it because he just gives you his opinion on what it's like. It's not a pro or anti-military book. He says, these are the things about being in the army that I liked. These are the things that are complete bullshit. (laughs) You know, he's very, if anyone's thinking about joining the army, I would say, read this book and it'll give you a decent perspective. Just kind of no nonsense, no bias either way. Um, And then the proceeds of this book, like I say, they support vets. So this veterans day, it's an excellent thing. And then he, um, he texted, it's called The Road in Iraq? The, it's called Sergeant of the Guard, The Road in Iraq, and it's written by R. Morgan Cryfield. Um, his Twitter handle is like, uh, I, mean, I think it's at Morgan. Morgan Field is his Facebook handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he turned me on to this documentary um, called Radioactive Veteran, and it's only 25 minutes long, and it goes on sale uh, this Veterans Day for four ninety nine, and some of the proceeds go to... Um, Uh, legal fees for veterans. What this documentary radioactive veteran is about is about this woman who she's a widow. Her husband was in the army in the fifties and he was one of these many Marines and they had Marines and soldiers running through, uh, atomic blasts in the deserts in Nevada. And then here's a shocker. They all developed all these, uh, health problems. Mm, We're 20, 30 years down the road. Any superpowers? Yeah. No, Mm. unless cancer's one. No. Uh, and then, um, they all uh, developed, and the VA denied giving them claims. For wow, years. They started really? claims in the 80s, like denied. No, oh this isn't, they didn't take responsibility for it. Ay. And um, so it's a compelling documentary, and it's like, <laughs> it's not... It's it's you know there is some positive stuff and I don't want to give it away but it's it's a great story and if you buy it for four ninety nine there's also a bunch of um, extended interviews with the the wife with some of the other people the attorney that represents uh, this woman um, and uh, it's called radioactive veteran I believe you can just go to radioactiveveteran dot com mm-hmm. and again some of the proceeds uh, of the four ninety nine when you buy the documentary go to help legal fees to help these guys. They're starting to get some of their benefits. The VA is starting to kind of to, to kick in, but uh, for Veterans Day, check uh, Radioactive um, Veteran, uh, the film, and Sergeant of the Guard, The Road in Iraq. Thank you, Morgan Field, longtime listener, uh, kitten hand uh, supporter. Excellent. Uh, for uh, turning me on to this. Thanks, Morgan. Thanks, Morgan. All right, and premiering this week, Almost Christmas. Now, I watched the trailer for this film, and it really feels like a... Uh, a bit of a money grab, like some producer went. Well, why is Tyler Perry getting all the money? <laughs> it's uh, we we shouldn't have a yeah a corner on the on uh, the faith based uh you know Christmas movies, and then it had all these weird production problems. I was reading on IMDb where first it was like um it was a Thanksgiving movie, then they changed it, and then they, then it made it a Christmas movie. Like I I don't know very um, close to being an Easter movie. Yes, very. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I'm curious to see how this it's one almost does. Almost the Fourth of July. It was, it was like there. The trailer is like uh, it, it was. Oh, that could be kind of fun or you know interesting. But then most of it is like a matter of like hitting the beats that Tyler Perry hits. It's like all right, dysfunctional family. Check. Uh, they're coming in for the holidays. Check. All right. Everyone's having problems with each other. Check. Now towards the end. Everyone starts to warm up and kind of get along and find the true spirit of oh, Christmas. And that theme's never been yes. Tackled. No, it's like uh, okay. Well, you know, somebody went. Oh, we can't get Kirk Cameron's too expensive. What are we gonna do? <laughs> no one's ever said yeah, that. Yeah. No one's ever said Kirk Cameron's too expensive. Nobody's ever. Those... <laughs> when he says no, I don't think he wants more money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and the next movie is The Arrival. I'm still really excited about this movie. CJ didn't love it. Uh, there's a review on the site already for The Arrival. Uh, CJ Johnson saw it. Um, he said it kind of had a pacing issue, but I'm curious to see it as well. It looks interesting um, to me. I yeah, can't wait. Yeah. I'm You're excited. excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Now, uh, Kevin, do you like this? Are, are you like it just because it looks interesting on its own? Or are you sort of a, this type of genre intrigues you? Or? Both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a sci-fi fantasy fan? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In theory. I also love The Martian because it showed human capability. And it was a documentary. Right. Yes. <laughs> but no, I mean, wasn't that the name of the one with Matt Damon? The yes. Martian? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Chris I, is just being a jackass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean about ingenuity and, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and um, figure this shit out. Sci- I would scientists I would, in space. I would love it Guy. if there's a, a third movie where Matt Damon gets stranded on a planet. It'd yeah, be great. Yeah, like yeah. if he keeps getting sent to planets and stranded. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> like that. It's like uh, no, he's turning it down. He must want more money. No, yeah. he doesn't want to fucking be stranded in another planet again. As a kid, I I loved you know, um, the type of movie where. And also, this might tap into the love of Twilight Zone. The, the, there was a lot of interplay with, in my youth, with movies and TV about people coming from other planets, right? Mm-hmm. And our exploration that might lead us to other planets. Yes. And yeah, the thing that's intriguing about the, the trailer, I, I share that thing, is when Amy Adams in the trailer is actually starting to communicate with them, right. and and, mm-hmm. and how do we communicate that with them? And wouldn't that be cool if we could? And they're going to look freaky with tentacles. Yeah. So. And I've, I also, I, I, I've always wanted to play Rod Serling in a Rod Serling biopic. Let's get the rights. You Boom. direct it. I act. Let me hear you say picture if you will. Picture if you will. Perfect. <laughs> done. Right. Wow, you just got cast. No more calls. No more <laughs> calls. Pencils down. Well done. Uh, and the next one is uh, Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk. Now, you were excited to see this, uh, You right? know, the, when I first saw the trailer last year, it looks interesting. They're doing more promotion for it. Ang Lee directed it. Uh, it's a sort of a non-traditional uh, war film, and I'm really curious to see. Ang Lee, I think, is a fantastic director. I think he can do so much stuff with so much different material. Except I, the Hulk. Except the Hulk. <laughs> he could use a couple of John Woo's white doves. <laughs> <laughs> if we could get some of... Which I hope this movie has. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's an it's a it's. I'm 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 excited to see this movie, and the more I hear about it, the more I'm I'm how they shot it and everything. It, mm-hmm. It's it's it looks intriguing to me. So very cool. Wow. All big, right. Big weekend. That's our uh, that's our show on eve of Napa Valley. Napa Valley Film Fest, you guys, mm-hmm. will be up there. Uh, earbuds, Good luck. Screens. Thank yeah, you. very excited for you mm-hmm. uh, ex- as a contributor. Thank you. Yes, yes thank you. you. That's yeah, right. Your producer. Just saying. <laughs> see, Kevin's some name of on us it. Uh, cared. Yeah. <laughs> Get him. <up. laughs>
I didn't have any... that money I didn't get from the Sinbad movie, and I put it in your hardware. Much appreciated. So yeah, Earbuds is Napa Valley Film Fest. If you go to their website, it screens the 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in Northern California this weekend, uh, you know, I believe Jason Christian, who's in the movie, I... I uh, I did a shout out to him on Twitter, said he's coming. So, And if you like wine, I mean, every single event at that festival and every screening is like paired with a wine. I'm doing some artisan residence thing, which looks really cool. One of the things is like, wear your, wear your right, whites for croquet and lunch. I don't own anything white. I don't want to. And I, you've never played croquet. What am I going to wear my karate outfit out yeah. there for <laughs> Nice. Please send photos. Yeah. <laughs> you know, technically it's white. It is. Um, all right, guys. So that is our show. Uh, Kevin Pollock, thank you so much for being on. Always a pleasure to see you guys. Late bloomer. Check it out. I'm going to go vote. Where can people find you on the World Wide Web? Oh, well, uh, you've got Kevin Pollock at, or at Kevin Pollock on Twitter and um, on the Instagram, Kevin Pollock123. KevinPollock.tv is the website, although uh, currently under a reconstruction. <laughs> so not in great shape. <laughs> but, and you're still doing the podcast, right? <laughs> Kevin Pollock's chat show uh, is available on uh, all the ways that you listen to things. That was at the L.A. Podfest? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed being a part of the L.A. Podfest very much. We had the David Harbour, the Sheriff Hop- Hopper mm-hmm. from Stranger Things. <sighs> Great Speaking show. on Netflix. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And go watch uh, <laughs> Kevin and Sam Levine and myself flip out when the Cubs win. Go yeah. watch yes. that. Yes. <laughs> it really is. I take a thumb in the eye. <laughs> yeah, I know. Nice. I, put, I just like, wow. well, it's, it's, it's three guys flinging themselves into each other so that, you know, limbs are going to fly. Yeah. Things going to happen. Things are akimbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was I was proud to take your thumb in my eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you, sir. If not, then win. Yeah. <laughs> but it's always great to see you guys. Sounds like your next feature. Yeah, it is. Mm. Thumb in the eye. Um, well, thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, Napa Valley Film Fest. And of course, guys, November 17th, uh, earbuds the podcasting documentary will be for sale yes. at comedyfilmnerds.com and if you're a kickstarter backer there will be a lot of really cool extras it's going to be an hour worth of extra mm-hmm. footage that will also be downloading separately it's only going to be like 2.99 but it's got like um, messages from the director an extended freakonomics from radio to podcasting mark maron on patent trolls us at a us robot going, restaurant us in at a robot restaurant in japan there's like there's an hour of really cool footage <laughs> so check that out you guys um, of course, Kickstarter backers will get it like a yes. day or two before. You'll get it early. Um, and uh, make sure you check your email. It's going to be coming via an email link. So make sure you check that out. All right. That's our show, you guys. 344. Lock it down. Put it in the books. Um, thank you once again to Kevin Pollack. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember Han shot first. Go, Cubs, go. Oh, he slipped it in. Boom. 108. Well, that was great. <laughs>